It is time for the MMA Strategy Show right here at awesomeboat.com. Of course, I am Jason Foy. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, uh, how you doing here on this Wednesday evening, man? What's going on, man? New England is getting cold. I'm a little tired of it already, but, uh, you know, we got some fights to cheer us up. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for this card, but obviously next week is the big one. As you say, you're getting it's getting cold up there. Just look at the Apple Watch here. Where you at? Do you dare want to know what it is right now in Tampa? Where you at? 85 degrees. Oh my god! Again, why am I doing this to myself up here? But Bro, uh, we had we had a morning about I don't know about two weeks ago. It was like 65. Man, I was going to the office. It it felt great. And uh, yeah, we're we're still uh, it's still hot outside, man. It's still hot outside. Yeah, you guys are lucky. You guys are definitely lucky. Uh, I don't know if I would say lucky, man. I don't know if I I go lucky. It, it is, uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's the middle of October. It's still eighty five degrees outside. It's seven thirty at night, bro. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but of course, uh, we are here to break down UFC Fight Night number six. Of course, we headlined by Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie. Of course, we did lose one fight today. I it was uh. Was Cyril Gagne a guy that was kind of uh, in in kind of a guy that you were targeting? Yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely you know a tough fight, but Cyril Gagne is is the real deal. He really is. He's uh, an exceptional talent for that division. Um, excellent everywhere. Great hands. Great striking. But has really shown you know advances in his game and you know has learned the ground game pretty well. So uh, I'm excited to see him in the future. And, and kind of bummed out that he's not on the card because that was an easy. Uh, an easy gimme, I thought. Yeah, I want to say he was ninety three hundred. I want to say on DK. Yeah, I, I didn't even get it. I didn't even bother looking at him uh, once the fight got scratched. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't like talk sours with you because I know as you're breaking down fights, you're not even looking at the salaries. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's the last thing I do. Yeah, I mean that's understandable, man. I, I get you. I get you what you're doing there. Uh, but uh, you know, overall, kind of a, as you broke down this fight card, is, is there a fight that stuck out to you stylistically that you're like, man? This one's got a good chance here. Um, well, you know that I'm always excited for James Krause. I think that we always back James Krause and Glory MMA. They're just such a talented group of fighters. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I'm not the biggest fan of this card. But, uh, you know, the main event's interesting. You know, you want to see how Chan Sung Jung, um, you know, performs in a five-round bout. You also want to see how Brian Ortega comes back from a long layoff. So, you know, very interesting matchup and uh, will definitely be the highlight of the card. I already know who's going to take down City. I think I have an idea as well. <laughs> it's not that hard to figure out on this card. It is yeah. not that hard to figure out this card. Of course, uh, uh, we are here to break this one down for you. Of course, if you have any questions on the fights, uh, leave those right now in YouTube. Uh, Sam, appreciate you checking in here on, on a Wednesday night. Of course, uh, coming up after us will be the PGA show, so be sure to stick around to watch those guys break down the PGA card for this week. But uh, well, let's break this one down for you. Let's start off right now in the main event. We have got Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. Brian Ortega, 7600 on DK. Chan Sung Jung, 8600 Over on FanDuel, $19 for T-City. $20 for the Korean Zombie. Then over at Super Draft, 1.45 times for Brian Ortega. And 1.2 times for the Zombie. Break it down for us, Pete. Man, Chan Sung Jung, you know, the Korean zombie, I've been following him since his WEC days, his, his memorable fights against Leonard Garcia. I mean, the guy has been around for quite some time and really made a name over there and brought it brought the momentum with him to the UFC. Had the incredible twister finish over Leonard Garcia, and that was kind of like our introduction 
to some of Eddie Bravo jiu-jitsu, of, you know, of that, you know, very unorthodox type of style. Uh, Chan Sung Jung, though, has some explosive, you know, he's got, I shouldn't say explosive, he has some some sneaky pop, and he drops a lot of people and hurts a lot of people. Um, you know, his power is legit. I mean, he just finished Frankie Edgar before that, Hanata Moicano, before that was beating the brakes off of Yair Rodriguez, and then possibly the greatest come-from-behind victory ever, uh, he walked into a, a last-minute Hail Mary spinning elbow from uh, Yair Rodriguez at 459 of round five. So talk about unlucky. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible move. But this matchup is very, very interesting because Brian Ortega has been away from the cage for so long. Uh, you talk about uh, a Gracie Black Belt who really made his name on the scene, submitting people very quickly. Um, you know, from his back has great guillotines. The guy has some some very you know high highly notable names uh, to his resume already. He's fourteen and one. Chan Sung Jung sixteen and five. I don't see how you avoid the main event this week because of uh, you know the the volume of each guy. Uh, we've seen Brian Ortega in a matchup against Max Holloway. Obviously, he lost that due to doctor stoppage in round four. But there were moments when he was very competitive, and uh, when he wasn't competitive, he was taking a lot of shots. So. Either way, I expect this fight to be insane, like one of the best fights we've seen in quite some time. Do you have a lean one way or another? Are you favoring Chan Sung Jung? Are you favoring Brian Ortega? What's your thoughts? I, I don't really have a lean one way or the other. I, I think it's kind of like I look at this as the way I looked at last week's main event. Like I, I think it's a 50-50 type of fight. Um, you know, when, when the fight is on the feet, I favor Chan Sung Jung. Now, if this fight hits the ground, and that's a big if, I think obviously then – you favor Brian Ortega, but it's not like Brian Ortega, even though we know him for his grappling abilities, it's not like he's a guy that's, you know, looking to, to shoot for a takedown immediately. When his stoppages come, typically they're they're in the third round. Now, look, the, the 22 months between fights, that definitely is a concern for me, um, you know, but, you know, when we talk about DFS, the fact that Brian Ortega has never gone the distance uh, in the UFC the last time the Korean Zombie went to a decision, let's go back to 2010 against Leonard Garcia. Obviously, he had two years where he had his mandatory military service, so there, there's part of that. Uh, and uh, the Korean Zombie's never been submitted. Um, you know, obviously, I, I do like the team that the Korean Zombie has surround himself with. Uh, you know, he's primarily with what what is now known as, as he was uh, training at the lab, uh, but he went to fight ready when Eddie Cha left, left the lab and went to fight ready. And Eddie Cha actually uh, went out to Korea to, you know, he, Eddie's been there for, I want to say about the last six weeks or so before they, they made their way to fight Island. So for me, I, I probably, if you tell me I got to go one way or the other, I probably would a little bit more lean um, the Korean zombie. I was actually watching the Frankie Edgar fight back. The UFC put it on IG like yesterday or Monday. And, and I forgot the fact of Korean Zombie did kind of shuck away some takedown attempts in that fight. Yeah, I, people sleep on the Korean Zombie. The Korean Zombie's so so talented. Uh, my lean for this matchup is is the Korean Zombie at eighty six hundred. I do think on a card like this that Brian Ortega at seventy six hundred is enticing and is a, a name that you should circle and sprinkle in some lineups. He's definitely in GPP consideration because of when he wins, it's mostly via finish. Um, you know, I can see Chan Sung Jung possibly slipping up and getting caught in a submission. But the more likely scenario is that Chan Sung Jung goes out there and starts to really put it on Brian Ortega. And, uh, you know, there are some questionable things that I heard from some interviews about Brian Ortega saying, you know, you know, he had to basically clean house and did like almost a full sweep of his team. And 
basically kept Henner Gracie. Besides that, looks like he has a lot of new coaching staff. Um, now, that can be good, and it could be refreshing on one hand. You know, sometimes it's good to have new eyes or, or new people surrounding you. But it also can be about not taking blame or accountability for your losses or mistakes or anything like that. Could also be clashes of personality. But um, for me, I, I think that after seeing the Max Holloway fight, granted, completely different fighter, but Chan Sung Jung does throw volume like that. Um I, I favor Chan Sung Jung here at 8,600. I think it's a decent price. Um, it's not like he's right, you know, in the 9K where we really have to talk ourselves out of it. Uh, you know, Lee brings up, he says that Ortega took more shots against Max and Zombie took in his last eight fights. Uh, then Samuel says, are you worried about Ortega's ring rust? Um, I mean, look, you could, you know, it's been 10 months since we've seen the Zombie as well. So, I mean, obviously 22 months is, is a much bigger uh, number to throw out there, actually. I mean, and the fact is, there's actually one other fighter who has a longer layoff on this card than Brian Ortega. I would say it would be concerning to me. Um, you know, you know, typically Ortega is kind of a, a guy that's a slower starter. Um, you know, he tried to get off to a fast start in the Holloway fight, and, and some people may have kind of pointed to maybe that kind of actually hurt him in that fight. I was uh, there was a clip on Aaron Bronster covers uh, the UFC for TSM. He had an interview with T City. And, uh, you know, kind of allude to, you know, the fact of he knew he needed to make some changes and uh, basically had people around him that just weren't listening to him. But, uh, you know, what I, I, I would agree with you. I, I think it is a fight that you got to look at. Um, I, I would say I like it more on DK than I do on FanDuel. Um, yeah. Just because of, you know, FanDuel, obviously you, you have to always kind of pay up a little bit more for the main event. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of, of DraftKings, if you're playing in 20, let's say you're playing 20 lineups. I think you got to probably roster this fight in 15 of the 20. I, I think, like, you know, FanDuel, the salaries are close, and they usually always are for the main event. That's just how FanDuel goes about their pricing. But I do think that, you know, the DraftKings salaries are a little wide. And, um, you know, I think it's just based on Ortega being away, um, Ortega's last performance. He's coming off a loss where Chan Sung Jung, after, you know, that last minute, last second, I should say, KO lost to Yair Rodriguez on a two-fight win streak. Um, seems like he has some momentum on his side. So they're obviously going to favor him. But in my mind, I think it's a closer fight than what the DraftKings salaries say. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. It's uh, it, You know, I think it's it's kind of a, a 55-45 type fight. But obviously, key matchup in the 145-pound division. You know, also the co-main event is also a key matchup in, in the women's 125-pound division. Of Caitlin Chukagian and Jessica Andrade, uh, Chukagian uh, decision machine. I- I'm just gonna say it. That's what she is. And Jessica Andrade, of course, uh, you know the former champion who has you know um, at 100. You know what she's been able to do. You know at 125 pounds and, and 135 pounds at one point when she was all the way up there. Um, you know when you look at uh, Chukagian, all of her UFC wins have come by decision. Her last stoppage win was outside the UFC in 2016 in CFFC. Uh, you know, and obviously Andrade, you look at her last two uh, losses. You know, we're talking about against the current champion and the uh, former champion in Rose Namajunas and, and Wiley Zhang here at, at 115 pounds. Um, you know, look, I'm never a big take, let's take Caitlin Chikagian, you know, in DFS. Um, you know, you're just going to need a lot of volume out of her. Um, and I just don't see it. I, I really believe I think this is a take Jessica Andrade or pass. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I think that. 
Caitlin Chukagian's style could make this a weird fight and could lead to weird totals as far as significant strikes or grappling. And, uh, you know, I feel like the stats could be minimal uh, based on her movement. And she moves around a lot, faints a lot, has decent footwork, um, showed off her grappling in a previous bout. Um, but I don't think that's going to help her here against Jessica Andrade. I do think it's a, uh, Jessica Andrade's fight. Um, Andrade takes a ton of shots. Uh, so that's definitely concerning, especially at this point in her career. She's 20 and eight does hold a 70% finish rate. Whereas Chukagian holds a 21% finish rate. You know, that's, that's pretty, pretty terrible as far as, uh, you know, finishing ability in the UFC. Um, I think that it's a Jessica Andrade move on exactly like you said, um, or just don't touch the fight because Chukagian style can really negate a lot of people's strengths can, uh, you know, she can be the matador, whereas Jessica Andrade will be the bull. And whenever you have a stylistic matchup like that, you know, it's it's less it's less phone booth action, you know. And Jessica Andrade needs to close that distance and get inside. If she gets inside, she could possibly go back to the takedown well that she saw a ton of success. And, you know, she captured gold with her takedown. Um, I think that's the way she should go about it, truthfully. Um, but... If Chukagian was cheaper, Jason, like say 7,200, 7,100, then I could see what, what we're talking about. But 7,800 for Chukagian decision machine. For DFS, I say no thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, and people can see your your, your heat sheet up there right now here here on the screen. Um, you know, the, the one thing that you, well, does stick out to you, no question, is, is the reach disadvantage that, uh, that Jessica Andrade has. And, and that's just, you know, she's, you know, we're talking about, you know, a fighter who's a, a tall for this division and Kayla Chikagian, a five foot nine, taking on the five foot three Jessica Andrade. That that to me is something you gotta you, you look at. I think that's the only thing scary about it. But I mean, just Chikagian, she's just not a, a D. She's not a, a fighter that you target just because you kind of you know what you're getting. I, I will say that you know what you're getting, and I don't see that there being value on her leading into this fight. You know, if if she was. Four, five, six hundred dollars less. Okay, then I could see value, but where she's at right now, I just don't see the value. Yeah, agree, uh, agree. So for DFS, you know, straight up bets and live betting, you know, it's possibly not a bad spot to target because uh, her style, like we mentioned. But as far as DFS, I think there are better seven K options that could be optimal. Yeah, I mean, it, it to me, it's just, a, and you look on the Fanduel side of things. I mean, I, I think fair price on Fanduel at sixteen and fifteen. Um, you know, I still, and, and then super draft 1.4 times for, for Jukagian 1.25 to Andrade. I, I still say, I think it's, it's take Andrade or move on to another matchup. Now, before we move on to the next fight, do want to let you know about awesome plus where you can get access to all the great tools and contents we have over awesome plus for nearly every DFS sport out there with an awesome plus weekly pass for 29 95. This includes full access, to all the premium content and tools on awesome.com including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack account, and much more. And if you're only looking to play MMA, you can sign up for an MMA weekly pass for $8.95. You see it right there on the screen where you can sign up if you just want an MMA weekly pass. These are tools that uh, you know Alex puts together for every sport. It is why he is the number one DFS player in the world. And uh, I am using those tools every day. Doesn't matter we're talking MMA, uh, especially MLB right now. You know, mm-hmm. in, in those showdown single game uh, contests that we're getting, and uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it's tools that you got to use there. And, and of course, if you're just looking for MMA, you got to sign up for that weekly pass for eight ninety five. As of course, uh, you know, we're one week away from a pay per view, so uh, sign up for that pass right now to get you ready for the next two weeks of mixed martial arts action. Next up, we got a light heavyweight matchup: Jimmy Crute and Modestus Bukakis. Uh, Jimmy Crute nine thousand, uh, Modestus seventy two hundred over on Fanduel nineteen dollars for. Uh, Jim, $10 for Modestus and over on Superdraft, 1.1 times for Jim and 1.6 times for Modestus. Uh, Pete, uh, let me know what your thoughts on this one are. I think this fight can, uh, you know, be a part of a ton of, you know, winning lineups. I really do. I think that, you know, Jimmy Crute definitely has the grappling advantage and we've seen Modestus Bukakis, uh, you know, regionally struggle with very, very strong grapplers. And I think that's the the route to go if you're fighting Bukakis because he does have significant pop, you know, good finishing ability, 91% finish rate. He's 11-2, and two, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, Jimmy Krupp does have the better overall game. And, uh, you know, he knows his strengths. Sometimes he'll strike enough just to get you to bite, and then he'll shoot some, some takedowns, you know, averaging 4.63 per 15 minutes. That is crazy. That's some pretty good numbers. Uh, He'll probably come in here as the the slightly smaller guy, you know, uh, inch in height, four inches in reach to Bukakis. But the thing with Bukakis that I like Jimmy Crute to take advantage of is his takedown defense. Now, Bukakis has kind of gotten away with a move that Mm -hmm. can be very detrimental to him in the future. And what that move is, is... Um, instead of defending double leg takedowns properly, he starts just automatically going for elbows, elbow strikes instead of defending, you know, trapping the hands or fighting for underhooks or definitely having the wizard and trying to, you know, pivot off the cage. He just is so dependent on cracking elbows that I think, uh, you know, could lead to a, a better grappler, Jimmy Crew taking advantage of that and, and working towards a finish. So Bukakis throws heat and kind of got lucky in the previous matchup where, uh, you know, his opponent didn't answer the bell. But, you know, 1-0 in the UFC to be fighting Jimmy Crute, who has a ton of hype. Jimmy Crute's living in a van outside the gym to Jason because he's so committed. Like, that's what he does in his fight camps. He lives in the van. And uh, I really like that. I admire that. That's like a hungry athlete. That's putting yourself in the trenches to excel. That is just fully committing yourself. I'm jealous. I, I, I love the, I love the story. It's Jimmy crew for me at 9,000. I, I, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, I fired off that, uh, that tweet to you the other day. Here, here's my question. I talked to so many fighters and the, and the one thing that they always talk about is the thing that you don't realize how important is in your preparation for a fight is sleep. How can you be maximizing sleep living in a van? Maybe he now, I, 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 now are we talking like this is just a like plain old van? Or are we talking mm-hmm. like this is a mini RV? That that so, to me is the question. He's got solar power. He's got running water. There's just set things that he mentioned in the interview. So this ain't just like some you know some van down by the river. This is like a this is like a pretty nice van apparently that he's invested in. This is like a a mobile home so to speak. You know, and uh, I think it's pretty neat. But you are you are completely correct. Um, you know, rest is very important and you can train so hard, but if you overtrain, we've seen junior Dos Santos do that where, uh, you know, you overtrain so much, your body starts fighting itself and starts breaking down everything that you've built. 
And uh, yeah, it definitely can be detrimental to your cardio, um, you know, weight cutting. That's possibly why you see a ton of misses on weight cuts. Um, you know, I do understand what you're saying in that situation. You know, that's something that's like an X factor that we really don't know. But I think that Jimmy Crew is a nice play at 9,000. And based on everything, based on how he fights, how he's going to need to get rid of Bukakis, it, sh- it should be his fight. But if he slips up and he fatigues because he's tired from sleeping in a van, he could get knocked out by Bukakis. I think this might be a must-roster fight. I think so, too. Truthfully, I really do. You know, Jimmy Crude is a guy that, he, you know, he, he's a finisher, plain and simple. And he finishes early. Modestus, he's a finisher as well. Both these guys want to strike, even though I think Jim could go more to a, a grappling base in this one because I think, look, I, I've, I've talked to Modestus probably, you know, a handful of times over the last year. So I'm, I'm very aware of, of who he is and what he is as a fighter. And, and he knows that everyone is going to want to challenge his grappling. He, he understands that. He's fully aware. So that's all they're doing in his camp. Yes, they're, you know, still, you know, he understands what his strength is with his striking. But, you know, it's a great point you bring up with elbows. But I, I think that Modestus, as a punt play this week, I think he's he's a, you know, it's not a bad punt play, but it's also a punt play where it, it, it could, you know, it could result in 10 points. Yeah, I, I mean, there are plenty of pump plays on here that I don't like. So like 7K options that I, you know, am kind of crossing off because I just don't think that there's a legitimate shot. Bukakis is one of the guys, if he wins, it's early. Or if he wins, he wins by stoppage. So uh, he's definitely a guy I am circling. Yeah, I mean, he's won seven in a row. All those have come by finish. Jimmy Crute, 3-1 and one in the UFC, has not gone the distance uh, since 2008. That fight came outside the UFC and four of his last five fights have ended in the first round. You tell a DFS player that, they're like, okay, I like that. First yeah. round, I mean, so, you know, I, I think I just look at this fight and I say either side, I think to me it's a it's a must, uh, it, 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 you know, like if, if we're using the 20 lineup analogy, I, I think 70% of your lineups. Yeah, I, I probably, I don't, I probably won't avoid this fight mostly. You know? I don't, how can you? I don't know how you can. Okay, well, because, you know, Bukakis throws heavy and, you know, Jimmy Crute to me doesn't look like the best striker, but he does look like a very overall talented mixed martial artist. Um, whereas Bukakis kind of does look a little one-dimensional. And uh, anytime you're having you're, you're approaching a matchup where somebody can get exposed, you want to smash exposure there, obviously. So it's like, you know, Crook could take him down to Takedown City and just totally out grapple him and pound him like crazy. And then we're, we're sitting there looking at 100 plus points from Jimmy Crew. And, uh, you know, or Bukakis lands a shot. So that, I wouldn't avoid this fight. Yeah. I mean, look, you can, uh, you know, the position that Modestus is in right now was a position that Jimmy Crew was in not that long ago. It's yeah. one of the more interesting fights for me personally on the car. So looking forward to that one. Then we got a matchup between Claudio Silva. And James Krause, a fight that now has been elevated to the main card. Uh, James Krause, 8500 7700 for Claudio Silva. Over on FanDuel, $17 for Krause, $13 for Silva. And then over on Superdraft, 1.55 times for Claudio Silva, 1.15 times for James Krause. Claudio Silva, he uh, lost his pro debut, hasn't lost since. He's, he's rolled off 14 
wins in a row. Uh, his last three wins have come by submission, two in the first round. Uh, you know, he had a, an inactivity of about three years. Prior to inactivity, he got a split decision win over Leon Edwards. Yes, that Leon Edwards, something uh, to throw out there. Of course, uh, this first time we've seen James Crowell since that controversial split decision loss back in February against Trevin Giles that did snap a six-fight winning streak, I should say. And, uh, you know, what's your, what's your take on this one? I think it's an interesting matchup. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, Silva was originally supposed to fight uh, Muslim Salikov. And then, you know, with Salikov not being able to compete, um, you know, James Krause steps in as the hero once again. And, uh, you know, James Krause is kind of like relishing in this role of taking last-minute fights and whether it's up a weight class or whatnot, just showing the UFC that he's game ready because the guy owns one of the best gyms out there right now. He's training all the time. He's grappling all the time. He's teaching all the time. He's sparring all the time. So like he's surrounded by talent and he's constantly throwing himself. That's that's how you have a good coach. It's not the guy that's always just sitting on the sidelines, pointing fingers and all that. Like you could be a good coach that way, but hands-on coaching is like some of the best in the world. And like when people get in there and they're, they're mixing it up with you, your coach is, is trying to take your head off or putting you in bad positions. I mean, the guy has an incredible record, 27 and eight dating back to the, uh, the WEC. He's eight and four in the UFC. It's a puzzle that he's trying to solve in this matchup against Claudio Silva. And he, he mentioned it because nobody's really been able to figure out Silva. Leon Edwards couldn't do it. Nordy Taleb, Danny Roberts, Cole Williams, but, like, the, the three previous names I mentioned are pretty notable names in the UFC. Like, you know, and, and he's going in there and getting victories. Uh, granted, Leon Edwards was six years ago, but still, like, this guy has a high grappling pedigree. But so does James Krause. I do think that Claudio Silva's grappling is better than James Krause. Um, and probably, you know, the striking is definitely on James Krause's side. I think this is going to be a back and forth contest and Silva at 7,700 based on his, you know, his takedown ability and what he has done in the UFC. I don't think you can count him out. I really don't think you can count him out. Even though I think James Krause makes this a very difficult fight, standing up, transitioning, switching stances, uh, knees up the middle. Um, he, he tends to go to the takedown. Well, more than a lot of people. And, uh, I don't think he'd be doing that, but it's always interesting when a, a guy tries to challenge a, a black belt's game, and uh, it's pretty unexpected if they go that route. Of course, uh, this is the MMA Strategy Show. Be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, notification bell. Of course, uh, we always have programming here over at awesomeo.com, and uh, check that out right now over uh, at awesomeo.com. So be sure to hit that thumbs up button. That really does Help us out a lot. I will tell you, I get a chance to talk to a lot of James's, James's, you know, fighters inside his gym there at Glory MMA Fitness in Lee Summit, Missouri. I was actually uh, talking to Jason High last week. Got a big win, uh, his first fight back uh, in, in two years uh, last week at FAC, and uh, he was telling me he's like, "Oh yeah, man, me and James, we trash talk each other all the time." And then so I'm talking to Jason Witt, who fights uh, on Halloween night here in the UFC. We were talking about James and. You know, he talks about the, the structure James brings to your training. Of You know, before every camp, he sits down, he makes a schedule. Hey, this is what you're going to do. But uh, he, he had told me, we were talking about how, you know, because James loves trash talk, and he loves when his opponents trash talk. He said there's a 40-year-old amateur inside their gym 
that literally trash talks James the whole time. That's cool. Man. And he goes, and they just go to battle. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, look at I, I think the fighters respect that he's in there training like crazy with them. Then he holds pads for everybody yeah. and then uh, focuses on himself. I mean, it's it's pretty damn cool. I, I think Krause at 8,500. I'm actually, um, you know, Joe in the in the chat brings up a great point. He goes, I'm actually shocked how Silva's the cheaper fighter than Krause. And uh, when I was breaking down film and then I know that Krause stepped up on, you know, relative short notice – I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a smash spot for us with Kraus because he's going to be the cheaper guy. You know, now that Silva is, you know, the underdog on DraftKings, it's interesting. It really is because the guy is talented. And uh, I don't think that Trevin Giles uh, is on the same level. And uh, I think, you know, James Krause could be put in some some tough spots. Yeah, just looking at the line movement, uh, James Krause opened at minus 215. Now it's minus 165. So tells tells you where the betting public uh, sees this one going. But yeah, when you're talking about looking for those under 8,000 spots, maybe this is one of those spots uh, that you do look at here. Uh, let's move on to the card, the opening fight of the main card. It'll be Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez's fight that came together about, uh, I guess about a week ago, I want to say. Um, yeah. you know, in, uh, Almeida, we have not seen him since January of 2018. It has been almost 33 months since we've seen him in action. And, uh, I was listening to, um, uh, John Good, who's calling the fights on ESPN plus. He was talking about their fighter meeting with Jonathan Martinez, which anyone who's ever talked to Jonathan, he's a very soft spoken guy. Doesn't, doesn't say it's on. He's not like, he's not a fighter that, you know, elaborates on for one minute, two, three minutes. That's just, he's just a soft spoken guy. And uh, he said, he goes, we're doing the fire interviews. And all of a sudden he busts, puts his phone out and starts showing us like his street fight videos where he looks like Jorge Masvidal. That's fantastic. That is cool. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Martinez pretty well. I mean, you've been interviewing him for quite some time. Uh, this is my least favorite price range, obviously, 8,200, 8,000. And it seems like each week we're always targeted with a fight where you have a guy on the rise who has really good momentum lately. And then you have a guy that used to be, you know, highly touted as a a prospect that could be the real deal, but he has kind of fallen from greatness. So it's kind of like, let's test the guy with the momentum with the guy that has the high profile name and, you know, should have amounted to more. What are we going to get in this situation? And, um, I really don't know, Jason. I mean, like, I do think that people are kind of not giving Almeida enough credit in his losses. Um, and I think that they're thinking people, you know, anybody can replicate that. But Rob Font is a very, very talented, very, very talented fighter. Um, you know, lost a decision to Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera kind of decisions everybody. Like, uh, you know, and then lost – to Cody Garbrandt by knockout. Outside of that, Jason, the guy has been an animal. I know that he's on a rough patch and hasn't been in the cage in quite some time, but the guy has so many finishes, um, 95% finish rate for 22 victories. Martinez has a 75% uh, finish rate um, in 12 victories. I think the the boxing advantage absolutely favors Almeida. Absolutely favors Almeida. The way that he dips his head and stays forward 
is a worry for me because Jonathan Martinez throws some of the most beautiful knees up the middle, beautiful knees up the middle. You saw it in Frankie science. Um, you know, we, we've seen him clip hurt multiple people and finish them that way. But I also in like always had like these little highlight memories, like these memories that keep pulling me away from Jonathan Martinez of where like Andre Sukumtot dropped them countless times mm-hmm. or dropped them one time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and kept clipping them and out striking them, you know? So it's like, where is he really at? Where are they both at in their careers right now? Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I wrote down about Almeida. You look at his losses, Garbrandt, Rivera, Font. Yep. You know, high quality opponents. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, high quality opponents. Um, Martina, just because Martinez hasn't fought a high quality opponent, doesn't mean that he's not able to. Um, I think that the price range of the 8200 8000 kind of makes this fight nearly unavoidable. I mean, uh, based on their finishing rate, uh, Almeida has been finished two out of his past, what, four fights now. Uh, Martinez could just be taking the school here. Like, y'all must have forgot how good Thomas Almeida is. He goes in there and, and just absolutely put, you know, mollywops him. Um I'm not avoiding this fight for most of my lineups, but for me, and I may, I may be alone on this Island. I will have a slight lean to Almeida just because of, of like, I think it's kind of like recency bias for Jonathan Martinez. And a lot of fans are kind of nearsighted and, uh, you know, short-sighted and they don't really see the big picture, but I'm not avoiding Jonathan Martinez. He's one of my favorite, favorite plays. No, no, you can't. I, I don't. This is one of those fights that I, I would agree with you. I don't think you can avoid it. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Thomas Almeida. Twenty of his twenty one wins are via finish. Seventeen via TKO and KO. I mean, this guy is a finisher. But the fact of that, we have not seen him since January of twenty eighteen. He hasn't won a fight since twenty sixteen. You know, that, that, that leaves you a question mark. But this is one of those fights where, and Jonathan Martinez is a guy that. He, you know, he is a finisher. Sometimes it does come later in the fight, but he has had some decisions as well. Uh, but, you know, that price point, you got to kind of like that price point uh, with, with these two guys. But uh, let's move on to the prelims. You got Gamrot uh, and Guarm, two guys making their UFC debuts. Uh, Gamrot definitely is a guy that I've got my attention on here. Yeah, and you should. Mateus Gamrot, 17, you know. Uh, you know, he has a only a 53% finish rate. So if you're looking for a finisher, he's not really the guy, but he's a grinder. And his grappling is exceptional. Uh, his wrestling is exceptional. Um, his striking's not bad either. I mean, the guy is 17-0. He really can't be bad in one area and be 17-0 because you're going to come across somebody that's going to expose you. Uh, 17-0 is something that's cu- quite unheard of. Uh, Guram Kutaleze, uh, you know, probably butchered that. But, you know, has some sneaky kicks and that's his path to victory is, you know, going the kicking route, uh, hiding his kicks with some shoulder movement, some head movement. Um, but outside of a, a kicker's chance, man, like I just, I think that Gamrot, this is kind of like business as usual for him. I mean, he's fought 17 other opponents that haven't been able to do it. And I don't know if this guy has really fought somebody with the grappling credentials that Gamrot has. So, uh, you know, 8,900, I will say that, you know, that's a possible takedown city spot, but maybe not the best score just because of, like, 
you know, Kutaladze is not really terrible, um, you know, and, you know, it's UFC debut for both guys. And, you know, whenever you have both guys in there, it's kind of like, Ugh. you know, I will take a, a, a patient approach. I'll kind of take a wait and see and see how these guys actually materialize. But if I'm playing anybody, Jason, I'm probably playing Gamera 8900 and just, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah, I mean, and he talked about he's fought, you know, tough competition there. In KSW, a very interesting UFC debut in terms of him. But, yeah, this is one that I think uh, you know, potentially have to look at. And you mentioned about going down there, down to Takedown City, which uh, we'll talk about Takedown City here uh, uh, momentarily because uh, we, we know someone who uh, likes to frequent Takedown City. Well, I guess would be about the best way to put it. We'll get we'll get to that yeah, flyer he's, here. He's got, he's got frequent flyer miles to, uh, to Takedown City. All right. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get to him. Yeah. Uh, then we got a female matchup, Julian Robertson against Poliana Bolotello. Uh, what's, your, what's your take on this one, man? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I I feel like there are some fighters, Jason, where, like, when I finally want to back them, it's just like, man, I don't think it's the right time. Like, I've always been on the opposite side. So, like, Chan Sung Jung, I don't have the best uh, of luck with, with some of his fights. Um, I kind of count him out sometimes. Uh, I'm not counting him out in this matchup. Uh I've counted Robertson out before. Uh, she's a relentless pressure type of grappler, but definitely is limited. And, uh, you know, she knows her strength. So it's always good when a fighter knows their strength. They're not straying away from it or going to their weakness. And I know that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but, you know, when that cage door locks and the pressure's on and, you know, things get crazy in there, and next thing you know, you're where you, did, you didn't want to be. It just kind of happens uh, uh, I shouldn't say you black out in there, but early on in your career, you do kind of not remember your fights at all. You're going off of instinct and not out of calcula- calculated thought. Um, you know, Robertson at 8,700 is going to look to take her to the mat constantly and work towards a submission. But Botello thus far has really shown that she can defend a lot of takedowns. You know, 88% takedown defensive rating. Uh, she is 3-1 and one in the UFC. Um, has the striking advantage, has a very, very powerful kick. I, I don't, I don't mind her at 7,500. I really don't. I, I don't mind her at 7,500. I do think that Robertson could be a reach here because if she can't get the fight to the mat, how does she win? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and the other thing with Botello is the first fight since April, 2019. So that kind of goes into it there. And, uh, you know, yeah, obviously it's a, a noble matchup there. Uh, the 8,700 price tag on Robertson is a little concerning to me. Yeah, so that's the same thing with me is, like, I wanted her to beat a little cheaper. I was hoping, like, 8300 Then I could kind of talk myself into it. Um, now, I I won't avoid Robertson because I know if she wins, it's through tons of volume via grappling, um, you know. And then it's, uh, it's also women's MMA, which has been pretty volatile lately. We've seen a lot of stuff happen. And uh, Botello, you know, is surrounded by a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. I know Robertson just got hers. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see who implements their game plan. But if Botello keeps it on the feet, Jason, we have seen Robertson kind of shell up, take damage, get finished. Um, that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen here. How, how's the honor bar from guard for Botello? I mean, I feel like that's got to be part of the Pete the Heat breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's in play. I, I definitely can't, I, I, you know, can't stress it enough. It is definitely in play in this matchup. I think it's a close fight. I really do. Uh, minus 200 in women's MMA outside of like, you know, top contenders, I think is a little crazy. Um, you know, I think this is a, a closer fight than, you know, what the odds are saying. 
Now, when we talk about going to Takedown City, John Phillips, as you say, is a frequent visitor of Takedown City. Yeah, he might be the mayor. He might be the mayor. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, Phillips. I like the guy's style. Let me let me pull up this guy. Let's just say John Phillips wants to throw some uh, some bungalows. Yeah, you know, so, he, he he wants to throw hands. He he's not interested in grappling. Let me just say that I really don't understand how John Phillips is still in the UFC, and I'm not knocking him. I'm just stating facts. Uh, I don't really know how. I know that his style is what UFC, you know, the UFC, you know. The, the team what they like they like guys that just throw caution to the wind and go for it but why do you keep matching them up with grapplers if that's why you like them match them up with strikers give them fun fights you, you know we see joaquin buckley with possibly the craziest knockout of all time he just you know he's on the rise you know you're not going to see them put prospects against volatile matchups and i'm not saying phillips is a prospect but like you can't. You know what he is. Stop giving them grapplers. Give him strikers if you're going to keep him around. Yeah, I mean it's you know. I mean, look if you're if you if you want to be in John Phil's business, you're, you're spot on. It's about get, give him someone who's going to sit there and strike with him. I mean, look, any coach who is you know coaching their guy against John Phillips, the first thing they're going to say is, "We're looking to take this thing to the ground because we know where his weakness is. We know he is susceptible to the submission." So to me. This is this is what I mean. Look, you know, if John Phillips can somehow keep this fight on the feet, okay, you know what? As a punt play, okay, but I just don't think he can keep it on the feet. Yeah, I mean, he's a puncher's chance molded into a human body. I mean, uh, you know, Phillips seventy four hundred. He had a ton of finishes, Jason, and when he wins, he wins big. Hundred percent finish rate out of twenty two victories. But guess what? It's because they're matching, you know, early on in his career against strikers. And, you know, when they come over to, you know, the big leagues, people are going to expose your weaknesses. That's why you have to be ready everywhere when you make it to the big leagues because smart camps are not going to go to test you in your strong areas. They're going to go to your weak areas. And, uh, you know, Park in this matchup, when I saw his name, I I had to do a little digging because, like, you know, I thought that he was somebody else. I'm like, oh, man, Phillips is finally in a striking matchup. Uh, Not really. Uh, You know, Park goes for the takedowns quite a bit, averages three for 15 minutes. Um, you know, his takedown accuracy is 50%, but Phillips in his UFC career, he's one in four and has 11% takedown defensive rating. That is uh pretty, pretty terrible. Um, you know, Phillips 7,400, he's a fun play because, uh, if you want to, you know, sit on the edge of your seat and just hope that he knows how to, you know, stay off the mat. And, and when he's standing up, like you see in the Hamza Shemaev, he closed his eyes, Jason, and he swung for the bleachers. But then he was on his back, and then it was you know slow, you know game over after that. So Park is not a bad play whatsoever if he goes to take down well. Hopefully he's not lured into a brawl because if he's lured into a brawl, you know I start favoring Phillips anytime that it's a stand up fight. Of course, this is the MMA Strategy Show right here on Awesome.com. And every day over Awesome.com, we have free premium content. Let you know today here on Wednesday. Our free premium content is NFL rankings and PGA player projections. Of course, the PGA show is coming up after us. And, uh, of course, if you ever miss our show live and you want to listen to us on the go, we are available on the Awesomeo Podcast Network. So be sure to check us out there. You can get all those links right there at awesomeo.com. Let's move on to the next matchup. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, you know Malarkey here at 8300? This matchup, man. Ugh. Every week, man, we're giving one hot garbage matchup, and this is the hot garbage matchup of the week. Um, 
you know, you, you have Malarkey who's taken a ton of damage. They're both all in one in the UFC. He took a ton of damage in his fight against Brad Riddell. Um, you know, the guy, he has decent striking, decent grappling, decent MMA fighter. Uh, that's what I'll say is Malarkey, 92% finish rate out of 12 victories. Um, Zion is definitely the stronger striker, the more superior and explosive striker, but has more weaknesses. Like he's not as well-rounded as Malarkey. Uh, Malarkey should look to take it down. Uh, you know, he has, uh, he has averaged three takedowns per 15 minutes. Um, granted that was one UFC fight and, uh, you know, but if he could take Zion down, it should be quick work. I mean, Zion has been working towards, you know, his grappling. I see a ton of videos. He's a glory kickboxer coming over. And, uh, you know, truthfully, Zion, I kind of found some similarities with myself when I was looking at his style and kind of like seeing, you know, him early on transferring over into MMA, just a striker, trying to compete against a bunch of grapplers or a bunch of wrestlers that are just trying to take you down. Um you know, we have seen him really put in the time. Hasn't really showed it. Doesn't have the best takedown defense. One fight in UFC, 75%. That's pretty good. But, uh, you know, definitely holes in his game down there. And uh, I know that he's been grinding towards it. 7,900 for Zion that can knock out a guy in Malarkey who has been knocked out quite a bit. I don't hate it, Jason. Malarkey has been TKO'd twice. Um, so... Zion's a 7,900 guy that I'm circling. I, I really am. 7K guy that I'm circling. Uh, despite, you know, and every time you pick 7K guys, you should never feel comfortable. Like, it's very rare that you feel comfortable rostering it. That's just, you know, MMA DFS. You don't feel comfortable with the 7K options, usually, unless it's like a main event. And then it's like, you know, you're talking about the number one ranked guy against the number two ranked guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a nice spot. But in this matchup, 7,900 if he lands some big shots, he'll probably he'll probably knock out Malarkey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, that's a great point you bring up on on the seven K options. It's like Antigulov at seventy one hundred. No, no, thank you, no, thank you. I mean, this is a guy that was, you know, he started two and zero in the UFC. Uh, you know, I want to say it was submission wins that, that he had off, and but he's lost three in a row, uh, being finished in, in the first round in in his last three fights. Um, he's only made it out of the first round three times in his career. Of course, uh, you know Grisham lost his UFC debut uh, against Tybura back back in July. Like like to me, you know, we talked about earlier on about how it's take Jessica Andrade or pass against Ukagan. To me, it is take Masham Grisham or pass. Yeah, I don't think that this week is like a ton of um, juicy, nice spots for underdogs. Like I think that there are few spots that we can target. I'll kind of let the public and other people take chances on these guys. Uh, I don't really want to put my money on Antigulov at 7,100. I know what he is. He's a round one guy and a round one guy only, but in round one, he's extremely dangerous, Jason. So you are, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting with him. He's going to go and give you five extreme, extremely hard five minutes. Uh, He's going to go for takedowns. He's going to throw crazy punches. Uh, he's going to go for pressure, you know, he's going to go for chokes, but after that, if his opponent survives it or defends anything, he is shot. Like he is shot and he doesn't have the best takedown defense either. I mean, in the UFC has a 0% takedown defense. That's pretty terrible. 42% takedown accuracy. If Grishin's able to stuff a couple, you start to really zap that energy. And it's not like Grishin's amazing. He's not, he's not amazing. He's 
I mean, his record 30 and eight and two is amazing, but um, you know, in the UFC, he's relatively untested. Owen won the UFC priced up at 9,100 based on the failure of Antibulov, you know, over his career of what he does. He drops off a cliff. Maybe they address it this camp, Jason, like as fighters, right? You're always making changes and you're always trying to progress and become a better fighter. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's done something behind the scenes. We don't know, but the smart decision is take Grisham and move on. Yeah, I think that's a that is a very easy thing there. I have uh, I want no no part of Antigulov in, in that matchup. Then our opening fight of the night, Namagamadov versus Striegel. Uh, obviously, uh, Striegel coming uh, making his UFC debut here. Of course, we all know the name Namagamadov. Um, yep. I know when I was looking uh, yesterday at the fight to go the distance, this is the one that had the highest prop bet. Yeah, uh, you know, Syed Namagamadov, uh, you know, had a lot of hype around him, obviously, because of the last name. Um, you know, in, in the UFC, he's looked pretty good. You know, went over Justin Scoggins, Ricardo Hamos. That that was a very nice performance. And then, uh, you know, dropping a decision to Howdy Barcelos. Um, Howdy Barcelos is very, very good. But, you know, his opponent, Mark Striegel, is very good, too. He just hasn't really had the shot in the UFC. 18-2, uh, comes in 78% finish rate, um, all by, you know, all his wins, all his finishes coming by submission, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so he's definitely, you know, his strength is on the mat. And Nurmagomedov does like to keep it up on the feet if he has a striking advantage. If he has a grappling advantage, he'll look to take his opponents to the mat. I think that he's going to want to keep this up because if he initiates on the mat, Striegel is sneaky. He is slick. So 7K for a guy that is so slick on the mat, you got to look at him. Like, you got to look at him. But 9,200 Nurmaga makes a ton of sense. Uh, as far as who should win the fight, best DFS score, probably not. I might go a little underweight on Nurmaga Madoff based on the weight class, based on the stylistic uh, matchup. But, you know, Nurmaga Madoff, if he is going to live up to the family name or he's going to, uh, you know, make some noise in this division, this is a fight you win. I don't care how talented Striegel is on the mat. With $21 on Fanduel, though? Yeah, that's a no for me. And it's a it's a 9,200 no for me, dog, as well. So, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Of course, if you do have any listener questions, we'll – Get some questions in there. I know over uh, over on Slack, uh, we got asked for our straight-up picks. So here it goes for me. Straight-up picks, not DFS picks. Straight-up picks. Uh, give me the Zombie. Give me Andrade. Give me uh, Modestus in the upset. Wow. Uh, give me Kraus. Give me Almeida. Um, give me Gamrot. Give me Robertson. Uh, Park, Malarkey, Grisham, and Nirmaga Madoff. Oh, you got, what's, what's your hate against Vans, bro? He's in a van, <laughs> and now you just hate him. Uh, all right, I'm going to go uh, Chansung Jung. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Crute. I will say Silva, um, Almeida. Who'd you take? Almeida Martinez. I didn't even hear I took that. Almeida. Okay, I'll take Almeida as well. Uh, Gamrot, um, Botello, Park, Zion, Grishin, and Margamedo. Of course, uh, if you want to look at the betting odds for this one, just go to awesomeo.com. Odd Shopper, you can uh, shop the odds for these fights when you're looking to place a bet. Of course, also uh, be sure to sign up for Awesome Plus Weekly Pass twenty nine ninety five, or if you just want that MMA Weekly Pass eight ninety five. So be sure to check that out over at awesomeo.com. We'll get uh, a couple of questions in here before uh, we get out of here. Some questions that maybe 
we haven't talked about, uh, you know, throughout the show here. Um, it's uh, kind of going down here. Let's see here. Uh, what's the fight that'll break the slate? Fight that'll break the slate. Um, I think the Krupp Bukowskis fight is uh, one that I think could break the slate because of just how it is. Yeah. The main event, obviously, as well. I mean, it, it depends on the ownership, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Samuel goes, uh, this guy's usual questions, top two heavy favors, top two underdogs, upset of the night, top two fights to target. Let's let's start top two fights to target. To me, it is the main event, and it is Crute Modestus. I'm on par with you. Uh, upset of the night, I, I've already picked you. I, I gave my my upsets, Modestus, pull off the upset. That's interesting. Um, upset, I will say... God, they're all so bad. Like as far as upsets, um, well, I guess I'll say uh, Zion. Top no, no, no. Two. I'll go Patello. I'll go Patello. I like okay. that one. Uh, top two heavy favorites for me. Give me Grisham at ninety one hundred, and then give me give me Park at eighty eight hundred. Um, I will say Gamrot. And Grishin. Yeah, Gamera and Grishin. In terms of top two underdogs, um, I'd probably say, if I'm not saying Modestus because I picked him, I would say Claudio Silva and uh, probably Botella. I'm right on par with you, buddy. Those are, like, for me, I'm our. our two people that I'll be targeting more than like some other options. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. He goes, where are the fights or fighters you guys are more excited about on DraftKings? I would say the DraftKings guys got to be you know, Gamrot based on takedown, but Park as well based on takedown. Yeah. Um, In terms of DraftKings, um, I'm trying to find some ones under 8,000. Ortega is interesting. Not sure what to expect out of him. Um, it's really hard to know because, like, there's so many X factors. Um, I kind of like, I kind of like it when you don't hear from a fighter for quite some time. That kind of means like they're really zoned in. Uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, we also got this question about what fight are we missing that'll be lower owned but end up being optimal. Could be Almeida. I think Martinez is going to be popular. Yeah, I'm just pulling up our ownership projections to see what uh, what fight is uh, kind of drawing some low ownership. Um, wow, your boys I am is uh, really low, is the lowest owned. He's so low owned because he's so one dimensional. It's true. Like he's really, really one dimensional. Um, he hasn't hit his stride yet, but it takes time to really, you know, earn your stripes and get good at the gra- at grappling. It does. It, it took me a really long time, and uh, now okay. I feel really confident in it. And until he goes out there and he starts stuffing some takedowns or, you know, forcing guys to stand up with him, you know, he'll start to once he gets confidence. Confidence is the most important thing for a fighter. 
Oh, no question. It was uh, when I was talking to Joe Schilling about it, he, he talked about it wasn't until he won the glory tournament that, you know, the confidence really came. And he said once yeah. that happened, it, it it changed everything around for him. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been great uh, sitting here talking with you, Pete. Uh, I would say I talked to you on Saturday, but I'm not talking to you on Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be I won't be here on Saturday, but, uh, you know, I'm not worried. I know that you'll you got everything. Um, I know that you'll have a great co-host. We'll be good. Um, our man good Josh, my our man Josh will be joining me. Yeah, and what's better than that? I mean, uh, you know, that's awesome. Uh, you know, if if we helped you out at all uh, and you like the show and you want us to keep coming back, smash that like button. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, you know, just remember, Pete, you got to set your alarm uh, the following Saturday. We are, oh, see, I'm good. we are at 9 a.m. I'm good. I, I I honestly got a little nervous when I knew I couldn't, when I thought I couldn't do this week. And I'm like, please don't tell me it's the good card. Please don't tell me it's the good card. And I'm like, okay, it's not. So if I'm going to miss a card, I kind of don't like, I don't mind. I don't mind not like missing. This one's okay. I'll still play. I'll still answer questions on Twitter. Hit me up best I can. I'll, I'll answer. But you know, Jason's got you guys. You guys are in good hands. And we'll be uh, in Slack as well on Saturday. Myself and Josh will both be in there, so check yeah. us out there. But uh, that is going to do it for the strategy show right here at Osmo.com. Coming up next is a PGA strategy show, so be sure to check those guys out here right here at Osmo.com. <laughs>